to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. Today here on a very lovely Saturday, as a matter of fact, we are here to talk about deep plane facelifts. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I know that we're running into holiday difficulties oh, with yes. our, our time management. <laughs> so, our time, if that's even a thing, I feel like there's a zero time management. <laughs> well, uh, yes. So today we're going to talk about deep plane facelifts. And this is a conversation that's kind of ongoing. But recently there was an article in uh, which magazine? Harper's Bazaar. Aha. Harper's Bazaar. There's, I don't read that. There's one magazine that I get in my house that I try and read on a every three-month basis. <laughs> That's whenever I have time to get around to it. And I happened to read an article this past week in my Harper's Bazaar fashion magazine about facelifts and specifically a type of facelift called deep plane facelifts. And then just two days ago at our LASPS society meeting, the Los Angeles Society of Plastic Surgeons, we had a whole talk and discussion about deep plane facelifts. So it's, it's trending, I guess, is the word you could use right now. Well, that's good. Considering this is an operation I learned in, I think it was 2000 so it's finally <laughs> it's, come, it's, it's catching been around on. it's been around it's yeah, having the, a moment the deep plane well and by the way just uh you know the deep plane facelift has been around since skoog uh this uh swedish uh surgeon really kind of espoused this is the way to do a facelift um the concept is that in the deep plane you have more mobility of the smas which is the and SMAS is really desi- defined as the subcutaneous musculoaponeurotic system, which is a uh, fascial uh, system, basically. It's, it's a layer over the muscles of the face that move your face. And, it's, and fascia is just a thick coating. It's, you know, we have fascia on all of our muscles. There's fascia on our biceps and on our abdomen. And, uh, and those fascial thickenings make the washboard stomach that everybody loves to talk about the six-pack. But the fascia of the face is where we can do the lifting. Yeah. Um, and getting into the deep plane, you go deep to the, the smas, and then you lift the smas over the mimetic muscles, the face, the mo- movement muscles of your face, and it looks really nice. You can really take care of the jowl. You can tighten up the jawline, and, and a facelift is a misnomer. It's really a, a neck and jawline definition operation. Right, right. And so the deep plane is um, different than other facelifts long time ago that used to be just subcutaneous, meaning you were just pulling on the skin and the thin layer of fat under the skin. Correct. And then there were some transitions to SMAS facelifts, which are still done very widely and done lots and lots of times, different manifestations, where you're lifting the SMAS, which is that superficial layer we talked about, and pulling it and tightening it in addition to the skin. And then the deep plane is going below the SMAS and lifting a deeper layer. So there's kind of three different variations. Well, in the SMAS lift, the high SMAS was something that I did a lot of <clears throat> uh, because I, I learned that from uh, several several surgeons, but I felt it was very powerful. Um, the reason I've kind of moved more to the deep plane is I think that it solves some problems. Some of the new modifications that have come out um, and, and some of the modifications I've made, quite honestly, in the operation uh, and really, I credit Bruce Cannell with 
kind of understanding how to move the face around. And, and he was sort of a smash lifter, but you know, in, in his smash, he was really addressing the face from a, from a deep plane approach. It's just where you decide to enter into the deep plane, right. where you're going to get your, your movement of the face. I love it because it's very direct and you kind of nail the, the jowl and you, you pull it. And the last 20 facelifts I've done, uh, no, strike that. Like there's one that I did a smash flap on, but um, the last you know 20 or so facelifts I've done uh, have been deep plane facelifts with really great results from anybody from age you know 45 up to 60. Right, and so, but that, and that's I think that's the question people have: is does everybody everybody need a deep plane, or are there some patients which for them it's not necessary? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know this because once you get a buzzword, everyone's like, "Oh, I need a deep plane facelift." But does everybody need a deep plane facelift? Yes, <laughs> they don't. Um, some need mass placation. Um, revisions are a little tricky. So when you're doing a revision facelift, then you might need to do uh, something different than a deep plane, um, especially if a deep plane's already been done. You probably don't want to re-enter. No, that's a little that sticky. Deep, yeah, it's going to yeah. be a little scary. So yeah. that that's where you may want to be doing uh, either a plication technique or a smasectomy, um, like uh, Dan Baker does. And and there there's there's just lots of choices. And that's why I think when you're talking about these techniques, it's really important that and for those of you who aren't coming to us to have your facelifts done, um, your surgeon is skilled in all of them. Really, I mean, you want somebody that has the ability to modify, change, and adapt intraoperatively as much as you know they're they're going to make a plan for sure. But then sometimes you get in, and you know what? This would be better, and you want to get the best result possible because how you make the soup is not necessarily as important to the patient as the result. Absolutely, and you can get any given result through a variety of different techniques so don't don't get hung up necessarily on just i want this technique because maybe that's not the best one for you that being said the the deep plane is great for many 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 patients and like you said it's great for the jowls for getting that that kind of poochy area that sits along the jawline just on the side of the lips people hate it yeah i mean you're right there that's literally pulling on it literally right (laughs) on it and then you blend it into the neck so that you get the you know, and, and Dan Baker, I gotta say, I took one of his courses probably in 2004, maybe it was 2003 and at ASPS, um, or, or sorry at ASAPS. And he, you know, he really was, is a skilled facelifter, but he kind of taught me about what to do in the neck and what not to do and how to really treat it in a way that you're going to get a good tight neck. Now the, the downside to some of these techniques, which I'm seeing, and, and I don't want to, you know, disparage anybody else who's doing these techniques. Some of the necks look really cadaveric and weird. They're really overdone. And I think when you hollow this all out, which is totally simple to do, when you hollow it all out, it looks like the head is stuck on like a doll body because there's no blend. You know, everything is gone. And you see this, you know, chiseled jawline, yes, but then the neck is like poked up under the the jawline and, and there's no blending and, and that's not normal. It is a look. 
And some people want that. It's weird. So that's where we say look at the befores and afters. And if that's the look you want, then there are certainly practitioners out there that can provide that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So it's just, it's just a, it's a personal preference. I like it to look, I like a clean jawline. I do. But I also want it to look like a normal person. I don't like that, you know, robot head stuck on the neck. Look, some, I guess some people like Some that. people really want people to know they've had a facelift. That's true. They really, they do. really they do. do. <laughs> you know, it matches their designer bag and their designer shoes. <laughs> and like, check out my face. Yeah. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> I love it. And like, I guess we do too. But you know, whatever. Um, it doesn't look bad per se. No, it doesn't look bad. It's not bad, but it, it isn't. It is a very obvious it's, look. It's weird yeah. looking to me. I, I don't know. I, I just have like an eye for things that like it, it's eye catching to me that there's nothing under here. You know, that it's just gone. It's hollowed out. It looks to me a lot like the like cadavers in the anatomy lab, you know, where like everything's just totally sucked up against the, the skeleton and looks like sick. I don't know. Teach their own. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I don't hollow the neck out like that. I like to keep a, a very natural blend. Um, but, you know, if somebody says, like, hollow that thing out, you got it. I can do it. I can make yeah. sure there's nothing in there. Um, back to the deep plane facelift itself. The thing that I like to do with this is to blend it with my mid facelift. You know, the, the endoscopic yeah. mid face. Because I think that's where you really get a very uh, natural harmonious look if you can get that mid face to come up get rid of that lower eyelid uh bag and the nasojugal groove then and then the tear trough and the nasojugal groove is this this groove that you see in people that basically goes across their cheek it's something you see in babies all the time but it kind of comes back down the road when you're when you're into your 50s and 60s and so when you can blend that and and kind of wash that out it just looks really harmonious and really nice. Because well, you, you, I mean, you got to treat the whole face. You have this nice chiseled jaw and no jowls, and then you still have some lines and sagging of the mid-face. It's not great. So certainly, if you can get that, um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the mid-face lift. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if you can add that on I'm to anything, it <laughs> it then really good. go for it. <laughs> yeah, it does look really nice. But yeah. then, if you, then once the, you, know, if you have the jowls also, then you want to get, get rid of that. Yeah, I've been seeing a ton of patients for for facelift consultations, and they're they're very into it. And they're obviously they're usually sent by a patient I've already done a facelift on. That's kind of right. how they people get to you. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't want your friends looking better than you, so it's true. It is a competition. <laughs> it is a competition. So I was like, oh man, now I have to get a facelift. I'm well, getting my breasts done. <laughs> and one of the things that that you know, I because you know, it's not just the jowls. Like I get that the jowls suck. They they're awful. But not everybody has prominent jowls that needs a deep plane facelift. Right. You can have a boxy face. The face can get, and you know, this is what happens, especially for women. Men, men can have boxy faces. They're supposed to. Uh, men come in because their neck goes to, to hell in a handbasket, which is why I need a deep plane facelift. <laughs> but the, with women, their face goes from a, a nice egg shape or heart shaped face to a box because they become more manlike when they get older and that is not attractive for them they'd like to have their shape back and so i think that 
the deep plane facelift, especially coupled with the endo mid, really gives you that heart shaped face. Right, because it pulls everything up, basically. <laughs> and in the right direction. In the right direction. In the right direction. Yeah, instead of pulling back like the right. old skin facelifts. Yeah, I have this whole this old lecture. Maybe I'll dust it off. It was from my from my residency about sort of the history of facelifts and when they started with skin only and then they went to you know placating the smas and then to a smas lift and then the skoog lift um all those things are really interesting and you know i think now the technology is there like facelifts are really powerful very effective the safety is there i mean you can still have problems you can still get keloid scarring you can still get things that are you know hematoma is probably the biggest complication that we see after facelift where um, people get a bleed under the skin flap and they need to, to go back. But I'll tell you what, with the deep plane, that's less and less. Well, the other thing, I mean, as you mentioned, with the technology changing and, and better techniques evolving, that was sort of the whole concept, going back to this article we read, of facelifts not being the facelifts of the 80s or even the 90s. And no. people would <laughs> would never acknowledge that they had a facelift and it was sort of this hush-hush thing, but yet you always knew who did have a facelift and it just wasn't talked about and it wasn't something you necessarily did. But now, celebrities and people are coming out and saying, hey, look at my facelift, look what I'm having done. And it's more acceptable and I think because we're getting better results and it's of more natural appearance than the older facelifts. And now it's not a big deal. Because, I mean, everyone gets Botox, everyone gets fillers. People don't mind talking about that. And so now it's sort of just this natural transition to saying, well, hey, the Botox and fillers aren't working anymore. This is the next step. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the truth. I mean, the, the results are way better. Way better. Yeah, I mean, my PA, uh, Orla, who's been with me since the beginning of time, about three, four years ago, I really started loving doing these deep planes and and she was like you know these results are so much better she's like i love this technique and from and from her standpoint as the filler botox and laser yeah because she's person, seeing them right. after so she's seeing them after but she's yeah. also saying like her job got easier yeah because they don't have little residual issues there it's a much cleaner result Right, because that's the thing. You still are probably gonna. You're definitely gonna still need your Botox. You're gonna still need your lasers. You may or may not still need some fillers. Like that's you're not doing away with that. No, no. but those alternative adjunctive measures work so much better once you've removed that extra sagging skin. Now you're have the results from fillers that say a 30 or a 40 year old would have because you've taken away that extra skin laxity. 100%. And of course, you can couple the deep plane facelift with the blepharoplasty, right. the upper lip lift, the mid face, the brow, um, some some lasers you can do. Uh, I don't like to go crazy with the lasers with a facelift because I think the swelling is too much. But um, you can do some, some light stuff in my book. Um, fat grafting, I tend to fat graft lips and sub malar regions in a lot of my facelifts also because they're just missing some tissue and, and putting some fat there is always helpful uh and then whatever you want to do for the neck you know i'm i'm sort of like a i'm pretty conservative in terms of how much i want to do to the neck because again i don't want to hollow it out and make it look strange 
Um, but I will divide digastric, uh, anterior digastric bellies pretty frequently uh, to drop the hyoid back and give you a little bit more of a, of a cut look to the neck. Uh, I, like to, I like to do everything laterally in terms of the lifting. I'll take wedges out of the, out of the platysma muscle. I'll do a little bit of corset midline platysmoplasty in the right patient. But again, you, that's an intraoperative evaluation. I don't right. decide that before because I have to see where the platysma where it is in, yeah. its, in, its native, in its native environment because it's not normal to have your platysmas brought together in the midline. It's not. No. <laughs> that's not how they sit in nature. <laughs> no, and you can get back. I mean, and some people they do. And some people they decussate, they yeah. cross, you know, very, very much... Uh, they cross very much under the uh, your submental region, but in most people they don't. Most people they're wide out and they kind of come down over the neck. And so w- when you're taking a wedge out, it kind of weakens it. But there's probably three people in the last five years that I've just divided the whole thing. It was just so floppy and ridiculous that I, I divided it and brought it laterally, and it looked great. I, I can think of this one guy, um, this surfer dude, and uh, he just. It just was, it was silly to even think that anything good was going to come of leaving that platysma in place. And I just cut across it and it looks so much better. And, he, and now he had a neck. He went from having no neck to a neck. To a neck. Well, that's it. I mean, he's got to have someone who knows how to make those decisions and know for each individual patient what the right technique is going to be. And sometimes you don't know until you get in there. Most of the time, you know, ahead of time. But sometimes you get in there and you're like, oh, no, this is what we need to do. Totally. And you just got to be able to make that decision. Well, and you've got a bunch of facelifts coming up, too. I do. I have, yeah. a, I have a few lined up. <laughs> so it's facelift season over here at the Roxbury Clinic and Surgery Center. Um, well, anything else you want to pop into this podcast, Dr. Ravello? No, other than that, I'm really happy that facelifts are now becoming a public discussion. I was over the moon when I saw that article in my fashion magazine about facelifts. Like, thank you. Thank you for that shout out because I do think that it's something that I just wish people would be honest about and talk about. And, and we talk about this all the time, you know, the celebrities that are like, oh, I go to yoga retreats and drink alkaline water <laughs> and I look like this. And it's like, BS. No, you don't. <laughs> Actually, I just have an iron and I iron my face. It's easier that way. So I just, I really appreciate refreshing honesty about plastic surgery and what people are actually doing because there's no shame in it. No. You know, not at all. Especially when it looks great. Yes. You want it, then you want to shout from the rooftops, yeah. check this out. Yeah. Which, you know, our patients do. All right. Well, I think that uh, that kind of wraps it up on the deep plane facelifts. You got other questions, obviously give us a give us a call, send us a DM. Uh, you know, we're we're definitely into it. We're we're enjoying our uh, our facelift season here and there is you know, people do ask me that like what time of year is the best time to have a facelift? Like I, I think it's kind of any time. Any time. I, I don't really think that's a yeah. big... The, the, the weather doesn't really doesn't. factor in to... For body stuff, something. maybe, because of the garments and the position and you know being able yeah. to wear a bikini and things like that. But the face, nah. Just whenever's convenient in your schedule in your life. Yeah, I mean, definitely refer to our post-op instructions for facelift patients because we do go through the, like, you know, two weeks of kind of being, you know, not publicly, visibly available. But... You know, in terms of like pain and recovery, like it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy. And it depends on the part of the country you're in because you can come out and walk around in Beverly Hills with a face wrap on and nobody cares. You can go have a lunch with your face wrap on and the waiter won't even bat an eye. Yeah, that's not, that's not, 
new here. It's not like, we're doing a facelift. I mean, that's sort of par for the course here. But yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like when you're like restaurant ready to go sit across from somebody. Without a face wrap. (laughs) Without a face wrap. I think it's two to three weeks. Yeah, two weeks. I think it's probably enough. Dim lighting. (laughs) (laughs) Dim lighting. There you go. Well, all right. So again, yeah, check out the post-op facelift instructions. Check out our other facelift techniques, podcasts. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.